It's episode 263 of Crack the Customer Code. Your all-you-can-eat customer experience buffet. Adam, what's that expression about selling ice to an Eskimo? How does that work? I think it's a challenge. (laughs) When we think of sales, we often think of a separate process from the overall customer experience. And our guest today has so much fabulous experience in both sales and really understanding the customer experience that she ties it together for us in a way that I think can help anybody. Absolutely. And one of the things I really like was how she uh, discussed the intersection of sales and training and uh, different ways to approach uh, training people that are new to sales or that are uh, being onboarded into a sales um, position. Mm -hmm. And how their role there will have an impact on the customer experience, whether we're always aware of that or not. And of yeah. course, we're talking about a pronoun. Maybe we should tell people who she is. Sounds good. <laughs> Let's do it. Our guest today, we're very excited to have Merit Guest. Merit has more than 20 years of experience working with companies to grow revenue, increase profitability, and reduce turnover. She is president and founder of Merit-Based Consulting, a Denver-based firm specializing in getting top performers in the door and ramped up fast. Merit is one of a small handful of specialists in the world, certified in both emotional intelligence and cultural transformation, giving her a unique perspective for hiring, onboarding, and retaining top talent. An active member of the National Speakers Association and now a certified speaking professional, CSP, and author of Myth Shift, Challenging the Truths that Sabotage Success, Merit engages audiences with content, connection, and comedy by day as a popular keynote speaker and by night as a stand-up comedian. Hi, Merit. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you, guys. I've known you for a while, and with your background, I've always known that you're, you know, the sales guru that I look up to. (laughs) So you've had such a background in sales success. So I'm curious about what's your take on how the sales process and also the salesperson, I guess, that's really kind of setting the stage in a way for for the entire customer journey. And so... What's your take on how having a better sales process can set the stage for a better customer experience? Well, you know, obviously a a better prepared salesperson is going to create a better experience for the customer. And obviously, I mean, you know, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Um, I'd say 20 years ago when I started my sales training business, I would teach people this step-by-step process to get through sales. And when a new client would hire a new salesperson, they would just put them in my training class. And at the end of the class, they figured, okay, this person is ready to go and, and ready to serve customers. But the truth is they were only ready to interact with customers up until a certain point in the sales cycle. So they had been trained in prospecting and, and how to initiate a sales call and how to ask good questions and set expectations and things like that. But they didn't have the second part of it, which because they hadn't had a real experience of going through a whole sales cycle. So um, what what I know now is onboarding really for salespeople continues through the entire sales 
cycle, whatever that looks like for the company. So some companies have a short sales cycle and and it's a highly transactional business and other companies have longer sales cycles and really a good company that really is smart and savvy about onboarding their salespeople understands that a salesperson is still considered in the onboarding phase through one entire sales cycle, however long that might be. So you might think you have a couple weeks or six weeks of training, but somebody doesn't isn't prepared to, to complete all those interactions of an effective salesperson on their own until they've demonstrated that they can be effective throughout the entire sales cycle. So which includes, you know, it's, it's prospecting and closing a deal, but it's also renewing a contract and securing referral business. So all of those people, pieces of the puzzle, if you, you still have to learn, you have to onboard somebody into each of those pieces of the transaction cycle um, before you would consider them fully efficient, up and running on their own and pass that onboarding phase. So I'm curious about that because some sales cycles can be really, really long. <laughs> you know, like big complex sales can be six months, a year sometimes. So, you know, how do you... How do you really consider that onboarding at that point? Like, do you recommend that people, uh, you know, have them observe, have them sit in with other more experienced salespeople? What do you recommend for kind of that phase to make sure they're still being productive, but also make sure that they're really being shown the ropes in the right way? And to your point, really honoring the customer journey of how long that sales cycle is and each phase in that journey. You know, it's a great question. I think what what I always recommend to my clients is is more of a tiered onboarding structure. So a new salesperson, what are the expectations you're going to have of them in the first in the first phase of onboarding, which would be you want to you want to get them to feel part of the team, you want to have them understand some of the basic tools and technologies that you use in the office. You want them to understand the competition and their service and product offerings. There's some basics, right? And and maybe you have some expectations about them building a territory or, or creating a prospecting plan. Well, that might be tier one where you'd say, okay, uh, in order for you to graduate past onboarding phase one, you would have had to have been able to effectively meet these specific expectations. And then at the end of when you whether you meet those expectations at the end of four weeks or six weeks, you can't go on to the next part of the onboarding phase until you've completed that segment. And so then you move on to the next phase, which might be um, participating in client meetings or shadowing. You know, there's different phase um, expectations you would have in that next phase. And so with longer sales cycle, I think it makes sense to break down the onboarding process because people are going to need to have some wins along the way. They need to feel like they're learning, they're growing, they're developing. Um, when they don't feel like they're progressing, they get frustrated. And and a frustrated employee is only going to lead to frustrating customer interactions as well. So we mm-hmm. want to give them little wins along the way and set them up so that they can see that they're progressing, maybe even set up celebrations along the way. Um, you know, I've seen that done in, in a lot of uh, different ways that really help a new employee feel like they are um, learning and growing and, and doing a good job. Mm-hmm. 
I, f- I feel like I have to do that for myself. <laughs> like I, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, a prospecting plan. I should do that. I should do this. I should do that. It's yeah, a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Little celebrations. Yay. <laughs> I, I highly recommend spa treatments to celebrate. <laughs> oh, see, that's, that's on my list. I'll, I'll have to say like, well, Merritt told me it was part of the sales process. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if the IRS buys that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I have a question for you, Merritt, which sure. is good because that's what we're doing here. But <laughs> uh, I just got through doing a little video about onboarding. It's funny. It's like right on my mind. It's so great having you on right now at this time. And one of the things I'm thinking about is that all is so important and so powerful and it works so well. And yet how many organizations do it well? So what is standing in the way? Obviously time is one thing, but you know, how are you making the pitch that, Hey, this is an investment or, you know, doing this up front pays off down the road, right? Yeah. The problem with onboarding is uh, it feels like it's a project that doesn't have an end. So it's really hard. It's hard to get somebody to uh, volunteer to head up this uh, project and really design or improve on onboarding. And most of us really have never been onboarded well ourselves. So the idea of trying to create a good experience for somebody else based on not having ever had a good experience ourselves is daunting. Um, and that's why I try to take the mystique out of it, you know, take the mystery away. And it's pretty simple. So you really want to um, focus in on three things. One is um, a deliberate celebration, you know, finding some way to, in a very deliberate, planned way, let the new hires know that you anticipated their arrival, you're excited about their joining the team, and, and there's some way to celebrate that. Um, the second thing is um, deliberate uh, expectations, right? You have to have clarity around the things you expect your new hires to be able to do, the systems and tools you expect them to use, and um, and all of the knowledge, the things that they need to know to do their job. Um, and that methodology, by the way, to give credit where credit is due, comes from uh, a system called the Revenue Accelerator. I use that to help my clients automate their onboarding process. So you build it once and then this, a system, like a technology system, can do the delivery of the content and the materials so that a manager doesn't have to constantly tap somebody on the shoulder and tell them what to do next. Um, but that no do and use methodology, whether you use that in a technology delivery system or you just um, use a, you know, create a spreadsheet of all the expectations that somebody would need to know, do or use to be effective in their role. Um, it's a great methodology and it's a, just a great framework to be able to um, clarify all of the expectations you have of your new hires. And then the third um, deliberate action you want to take is deliberate conversations. And I think about that in terms of what are the conversations you would need to have with a new hire, things about their career path, um, because 
if somebody just starts on the first day and they don't see it as the starting point to a long-term career, you're only going to get a little bit of effort out of them versus if I see that this is a stepping stone or on my way to my long-term potential, then I'm going to give a little bit more of myself because I see it as part of a bigger picture. So career path is a great and very important conversation to have. Um, And then the other ones, of course, are about culture. You know, you can't expect somebody to deliver great customer service and uphold your company values if you haven't clearly talked about and even better demonstrated the specific examples of how you live and breathe that culture and those values on a day-to-day basis inside and outside the walls of the business. And though you know those two conversations make a huge difference in uh, a new hire being able to feel part of the team and and really interact with customers in the best possible way. Okay, another list of things I have to do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm wondering, because I think part of what people might be resistant about when it comes to onboarding and really getting it right from the beginning is that so many of us have worked in situations where you're greeted with like a binder of, you know, thousands of words that you're supposed to sit there and read about their policies and procedures and all of that. And that's such a bad way to start. (laughs) So I love your point about like, making sure the person knows that you anticipated them being there, that you're excited they're there, because I think that's so important. But I think the binder now, the only thing that's evolved in some places is that the binder is now on the intranet and you have to sit there and click through it all. Right. Well, it's still a seven point process for requisitioning paper clips. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And the TS-40 or whatever it is from from that movie, Office Space. Um, (laughs) The the TPS reports. TPS report. Yes. Thank you. Uh, And so I'm wondering, like, there, you know, Things are changing. The world is changing. We have to serve customers differently. We have to sell differently. We have to do all of these things because it's, you know, it was kind of the same for like 30 years. And then all of a sudden it's changing every six months where now people wanted to text you with their concerns instead of call the 800 number and all of these different things. So I'm just curious, where do you think kind of those changes are needed in onboarding? Like how how is that going to keep evolving in the future? And what are the most important things that anybody in any organization should really keep in mind as the world evolves, whether they like it to or not? Ooh, that's a lot of, a lot of questions know, in there, Judy. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, Here's a question in 74 parts, Mary. Are you ready? Um, I think, first of all, you know, there's nothing worse than handing a, a seven inch thick binder on, to someone on their first day. And and it's so f- interesting to me because I have read a lot of those binders to help my <laughs> clients find the, the holes and the gaps in their onboarding mm-hmm. design. Um, and one of one of the ones that always makes me laugh is, you know, companies will say, oh, here's our values. And they'll say, we're, we're, we're about team and we're fun and all this. <laughs> And there is nothing that says fun <laughs> in your binder. <laughs> like, okay, like so, ditch the binder. Do a do a scavenger hunt to find the next piece of paper that you put into the binder. I don't know. Make it fun. But if you say you're about fun and you hand somebody a big binder like that, you're not about fun. Um, you know, and, so, and, the, and the binder is following up the employee manual. Don't forget, right? The, right. right. <laughs> exactly. That you have to sign, right? Exactly. And say, yes, I understand. Um, 
so I always look, I look at, at their values as a starting point to say, you know, how, how am I designing their onboarding process so that even that process is consistent with the values they say they uphold. So mm-hmm. for example, teamwork is one I see a lot. You know, we're about teamwork and, you know, people are so important here. Well, you you can't say people are important and give someone an only an automated or paper-based onboarding process. And the <laughs> mo- right? I mean, it's just it's so obvious when you say it out loud, but the moment somebody says, "Yes, I will accept this job," or actually in within the interview process, there should be some aspect of team. Um, yes. whether you know, whether or not you say we're about team, it should be obvious. So, mm-hmm. um you know the it, when when i have my clients when they hire a new person the if they're about teamwork the team greets them at the door not the receptionist not the manager the team because that's in the first moment somebody starts they get they get to experience team is important that's why the whole team greeted me at the door and so you got to look at those kinds of little things because it's those experiences you know just like a customer uh, is is creating a, 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 a an opinion an, a, about the experience they have. It's it's no different than a first impression. You know what do they say? It takes seven seconds to make a a first impression, whether it's good or bad. Well, for mm-hmm. the for every moment that in the beginning that that new hire is experiencing the people and the company. They are filing those experiences away as, you know, did I make a good decision to take this job or a bad decision to take this job? And if any any point in their early employment, they have experiences that lead them to think this was a bad decision, of course, that is going to lead to bad customer service. And you want as many opportunities for your new hires to feel like, wow, I am so excited to be with this company. And, and I don't mean it has to be rainbows and unicorns and, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, but it, <laughs> it does have to be celebrating the person and, and taking the time to train them well and prepare them well so that they can be successful and deliver an amazing customer experience. And, and that's, you know, when companies understand the direct link in their bottom line and how people get off to a good start, it makes such a difference. Absolutely. Amen. Yep. You could <laughs> drop the mic right there. <laughs> this has been fantastic, Merritt. Thank you so much for uh, being here and sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. If our audience wants to hear more and get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, uh, my the easiest website is MerrittGuest.com. It's M-E-R-I-T. Guest is G-E-S-T, like a guest at a party without the letter U. So MerrittGuest.com <laughs> takes you right to me, speaking, training, different things like that. And then I have a separate site specific to my onboarding part of the business, and that is MerrittBasedOnboarding.com. It's just a little like longer, <laughs> but you'll find it there too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, except for the to-do list that I now have. But uh, <laughs> but it's all so important. It's all really about, you know, setting that stage in the right way, getting the right people and celebrating them. I love that message. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'll, just, uh, I'll re- just remind people that your customers will never be more engaged than your employees. So if you can get employees up and running quick, that's, that's uh, a big part of customer engagement. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks, Merritt. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Wow. I think we had a lot of takeaways from that. I know I did about connecting those dots between sales and talent and customer experience. Absolutely. And the idea that each piece of the sales cycle needs different insights and uh, sometimes different training. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. Well, we hope you got as much out of this as we did. And thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand. Get insider secrets by going to csuitetv.com. We appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Dvorak, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.